Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Wait a minute. I've heard that before. That's the note Jeremy wrote to me in my yearbook in the sixth grade. How'd you even know that? Because it's from Geico. Yeah, yeah wait, here it is. Dear Luke. Have a great summer. P.S. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Love, Jeremy. Geico's had this tagline for years, because we help save people money. So wait, you're saying Jeremy copied you? <laughs> yeah, that actually does sound like something the J-Man would do. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work. Friends, family, expect you to be on 24-7? Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey everyone, it's Lindsay Rhodes and I've got a new podcast, The NFL Road Show. Fun and kind of nerdy conversation about the NFL every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I've got some amazing guests that are joining me. I'll be breaking the huddle with the top stories, previewing games. We'll get you set for the weekend fantasy with our Fantasy Friday episodes. And we'll answer some of your questions as well. So subscribe to the NFL Roadshow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan, and we are coming to you on Monday, December 21st, 2020, just a few days away from Christmas, a few days removed from the end of Hanukkah, heading toward the new year. And all that is to say that whatever holidays you do or do not celebrate, hopefully this season finds you well. I, I, I feel like I've been saying that exact phrase uh, for quite some time now with everything going on in the world, uh, but I mean it. Everything going on, I, I hope you're all right out there, Cubs-related podcast listeners. Uh, Brendan and I are hanging in there, and, and I hope you guys are doing the same and are able to enjoy the holiday season, the new year, etc., in some capacity, even if perhaps it's not uh, quite the way that we would all normally like to be doing it, staying safe and finding a way to enjoy it despite everything going on. But we are here to talk about the Chicago Cubs, and Brendan, we've got huge news to cover. Uh, Oh, no, wait. Sorry. I'm looking at my notes, and actually the Cubs have done basically nothing. Sorry. Excuse me. Well, we signed Matt Duffy. That's something. That's a big move. I misspoke. Uh, I was looking at notes from five years ago. Uh, So, no, in uh, basically typical off-season fashion at this point, we're getting some minor league deals. Uh, We've got uh, Jonathan Holder. Big signing, Brendan. I know the listeners out there are Love it. pumped about that. Uh, like you said, Matt Duffy. Um, so, yeah, that's great. Uh, the, the Cubs did sign uh, James Burke to uh, a minor league deal. That is a Michigan man. I actually worked, uh, I guess, for James, with James. I don't know. I, I was the, the manager for the baseball team, and James was a freshman you know him personally? on the team. Not really. He was a freshman in my last okay. year, uh, so not as much as I did, you know, some of the guys that I had been around for a few years. But I will say uh, James's dad was always at all of the games uh, and would always come and check to see the velo readings uh, that, that his son was getting, mm-hmm. and I, I always really liked that. His dad was a great guy. Um I don't keep in touch with him, but, you know, I just, there was certain parents that would come to the games and uh, that always stuck out because they were nice to us or, you know, came over to watch video in the the middle of innings and things like that. And uh, James's dad was one of those guys. So that's my uh, Michigan connection there. But yeah, it's uh, a pretty boring 
offseason. And, you know, there's a lot of factors to that. Of course, you know, we know the Cubs' financial situation is in a a state of uncertainty. We know that the Major League Baseball season, uh, a lot of details about it and, and things of that sort, are still uncertain. Uh, as we've talked about a lot, the COVID vaccine starting to get out there and how that may affect things. Will fans be involved next year? How's that going to go? Things like that. So still a lot of questions to answer, and especially with the holidays coming up here shortly, we kind of assumed that this was going to be pretty slow. Uh, had heard about guys like JT Realmuto, uh, maybe even Trevor Bauer, some of the guys that are really going to carry this free agent class, you know, not really expected to make a decision anytime soon. So that's certainly going to slow things down. We've seen some some trickling of moves, but it's been slow and the Cubs are bargain hunting, which is not very exciting and, and not very newsworthy, but that's where we are. Uh, and either way, we'll, we'll kind of catch you up to speed. Um, but, you know, Brendan, just like right off the bat, I, I, I don't think that any of these, uh, you know, these moves in particular, uh, Jonathan Holder, James Burke, um, they signed uh, Kelly, another, another sidewinder type pitcher uh, this afternoon. You know, I, I don't, I don't, assume that you have any strong opinions on on some of these moves. I would be kind of surprised if you did. Uh, You mentioned Matt Duffy as well, the uh, infielder coming in on a minor league deal. I I assume you don't have any strong opinions on these, but I I think uh, I'll I'll bring you in there. Just generally, like my reaction is typically what it always is. Especially when they're minor league deals, they can load up as many of these guys as they want. I, I don't think that there's really any risk to that. And you hope they get in camp. And if one of them you know, has has a little bit of a resurgence or sort of looks good and can play a role, then great. And otherwise, who really cares, right? I actually like the Matt Duffy signing. Okay. And there, it, I like it for two reasons. Uh, the first reason is he has some positional flexibility. But the second reason is he has some diversity compared to your normal Cubs lineup. So, for example... Last year, overall numbers, not good. He had a batting average of 252. He had a WRC plus of 88. Not good. The year before, in a real season, in 560 plate appearances with Tampa Bay, he had a 107 WRC plus. And he did so by not striking out and taking his walks. So if you look at his plate discipline, His overall contact rate in the last two years is almost 84%. That is similar to what you would see with Ben Zobrist. Likewise, his outside zone swing rate is around 25%. The league average hovers around 30%. That type of rate is kind of reminiscent to like your typical like Dexter Fowler-esque rate. Um, Not as good as Fowler, but in that same neighborhood. So, Really what the Cubs did is they signed a guy coming off a down year in a COVID-shortened season, but someone who has some positional flexibility in the infield and someone who has the ability to make contact, to take his pitches. And so for, for me, it's it's whatever. Like you see the potential there. There's no risk. And the Cubs do need infield depth and they need some type of uh, diversity on their bench if he does make the team. So it's not to say, hey, this Matt Duffy deal is going to you know, be the tipping point for this team, but they are making moves, and for a minor league deal, potential depth, I'm fine with it. I actually think it's kind of interesting. I'm not going to like, you know, closely follow it per se, but I can see it working out pretty well, and even if Duffy is slightly below average uh, offensively, that's a fine bat to have off your bench. Someone who, again, can fill in a third base, maybe second base, uh, he played shortstop way back then in his career, but mostly someone who can fill in, let's say, if Chris Bryant uh, needs a day off or, you know, David Bodie or Nico Horner need a day off. So I, I like it, Corey. Yeah, and I mean, I think it's it's one of those things that we've discussed a lot in this offseason and offseasons past where it, it kind of depends on what the full scope of the offseason is. You know, if this is the type of move that makes up 
the majority of what the Cubs do this offseason, then obviously it's disappointing. And I think perhaps we're prepared for that. But these are the types of moves if they do make, you know, maybe even just a few more significant, you know, major league level moves to kind of round out the team. And then you have this stockpile of flyers. I think it's, I think it's certainly fine. And, you know, again, it's, it's not the ideal way to go about this, but I, I think I kind of, think back to the bullpen heading into the 2020 season and that was basically the the strategy and you know perhaps we see that more on the positional side especially in light of having to replace guys like Schwarber and Almora and Souza and and you know some of those uh depth players that you had at the beginning of 2020 but you know we went into spring training both the first time and the second time in 2020 with a, a lot of names that they had stockpiled for the bullpen, and a lot of the guys we talked about in the first go-around for spring training weren't really uh, involved as much, you know, once they got to summer camp, and certainly once they broke summer camp, but eventually, right, like they found themselves a pretty decent bullpen as those last, you know, couple months of, of the 2020 season went on, right? Like they, people had found their roles. We had had some guys step up uh, and take more of the, the higher leverage situations. Craig Kimbrell figured things out. So I think that's perhaps par- part of the approach that you're you're maybe looking at to kind of fill out the depth on this roster. Um, again, is it ideal? No, but if you can add a bunch of these guys on low-risk, low-cost deals, get them in camp, see what happens. And, you know, like you said, you know, someone like Matt Duffy has performed in the past and, you know, has the potential to have those kind of peripheral numbers that, you know, you're not going to be expecting him to perform to the level that he's starting, certainly, or, you know, maybe even contributing significantly. But if you can get him going in, in certain areas, then, you know, you've identified something that can potentially help the team. So I don't think it's, again, it's it's not particularly exciting. Uh, some of these names, perhaps you've never even heard them before, but I think it's it's never a bad approach to stockpile things like this and see what shakes out and you can kind of move on if you feel like that's the move. And I I would expect to continue seeing stuff like this. Um, You know, I think the Cubs are probably in contact with a lot of guys in similar situations. And I would imagine that Jed is just going to try to load these up for whatever he can and, you know, hope that you can kind of build a little bit of depth that way. But other than those moves, uh, as far as action, we haven't really seen very much. Uh, the Cubs still looking for a general manager. Uh, Jed Hoyer, you know, not really providing much of a timeline on that, so I, I don't necessarily expect them to figure that out particularly soon. Um, and that's pretty much it. We, we still kind of get the same rumors, you know, that we've gotten in in other off seasons. And, you know, some of them sound like they have a little more smoke in the fire than others. Um, You know, I know Cubs Twitter was was kind of stirred up today on on Monday when when John Heyman tweeted that, you know, he's heard you Darvish's name in, in trade talks. But like, it was such a vague and almost like completely pointless tweet, which, you know, you kind of expect, but Heyman's not great. But um, it, it's just weird when they, when they tweet stuff like, cause like the effect of his tweet and I'm paraphrasing, uh, I think I, he might've blocked me or I might've blocked him. So I don't have access to it at the moment, but, um, you know, the, the, the paraphrasing of it was like, you know, I've heard Darvish's name in trade talks, but I wouldn't expect it to happen because Darvish's contract and his performance, the Cubs would have to get something like Babe Ruth in return. And, you know, all of the comments were like, so then what's the point of tweeting this, John? You know what I mean? Like, what, what did you, you, you used uh, 180 characters to basically say nothing, right? You Darvish is really good. And if the Cubs got somebody really, really good, then they might trade him. Like, wow, big news from uh, one of baseball's foremost uh, reporters. But, 
we've heard that. We've heard a little bit of Wilson Contreras. Uh, we've heard, you know, over the last few weeks, um, the Nationals GM Mike Rizzo say they haven't had significant conversations about Chris Bryant in years. Uh, the manager, Davey Martinez, who you may remember won a World Series with the Chicago Cubs as a part of Joe Madden's staff yeah. in 2016. Yep. Um, he said, we have talked about Chris Bryant. He comes up in conversations. Uh, so, you know, but other than that, the Chris Bryant rumor mill has, has sort of been quiet, maybe more quiet than it has been in past years. And that's kind of where we are. So it's, it's a little bit of a, a, a weird spot to be in, but we are in that point of the off season, uh, which has happened, I think, at least last year it did, and maybe the year before, where Wilson Contreras' name comes up enough that he starts posting vague things on social media, right? Uh, if you follow him on Twitter or Instagram, you know what I'm talking about because he starts to post, like, motivational quotes uh, with like a photo of a lion or something like that. Or I think the other day he just posted like, here we go again with one of those like inquisitive emojis. Uh, and this this has sort of become a theme of the last couple off seasons. And I don't blame Wilson for, you know, sort of getting caught up in it and getting a little frustrated at, at hearing that. We know how hard he works. We know how much pride he takes in, in his abilities uh, on the baseball field and his performance. Um, but what I wanted to delve into a little bit, and, and it's sort of easy to tie in because, uh, there are some members of the Cubs and obviously other organizations who are playing in the, uh, Puerto Rican Winter League. And one of those players is at least according to MLB.com, the number three prospect in the Chicago Cubs system, a catcher by the name of Miguel Amaya, who I believe we've talked about a good bit on this show before. And he is tearing the cover off of the ball. Brendan hit a grand slam the other day uh, and is really just having quite the performance uh, in Puerto Rico in in the Winter League. And, you know, obviously um, that that's not like to suggest that he's ready to be the Cubs everyday catcher or anything like that. But I think it's, it's just an interesting time to kind of look at all that when you know, you you do hear Wilson's name come up in the in these rumors and and these talks, especially because he plays catcher, and and also in this particular off season, you're going to have several teams vying for the uh, expensive services of JT Realmuto. Um, so there there's a lot of different ways to look at this, but I, I I suppose that that where we should probably start is just sort of noting why certain names come up more than others, right? And and we've talked a little bit about this before, but there there's sort of a difference and I, and I think, you know, to a lot of you guys this is pretty obvious, but just, you know, cuz there's nothing else to talk about, it's easy to clarify. Like Bryant and Baez come up in trade rumors a lot because their contracts are expiring. And if the Cubs don't believe they're going to sign extensions and they can get a haul for them, maybe that's something they would consider, right? The difference with someone like Wilson is he's under control um, for a few more years. He's obviously, uh, you know, cost-wise, very friendly. And when you look at his performance uh, over the years, you know, just looking strictly on on uh, wins above replacement since 2018, he's fourth in the MLB. Uh, of all catchers behind Real Muto, Yasmani Grandal, and Christian Vasquez uh, of the Red Sox, and that's barely. Um, so Real Muto and Grandal are really the ones who are really clearly at the top there. So Wilson's a a premier player at a premier position, um, and so the the reason that he comes up is because people want that. And if the Cubs are sort of unsure of where exactly they are in in terms of their competitiveness timeline, and if they're unsure about what his contract may look like going forward, you know, through arbitration and, you know, in a few years when he ultimately can be a free agent— Perhaps that's something they would consider, uh, you know. And, and I think that it's it's pretty clear that anything is at least up for discussion in this particular off season. And even thinking about what I was talking about a few moments ago with John Heyman and you Darvish, like I wouldn't be surprised if Jed uh, Jed I would think, especially at this point, entertains a phone call on anything, right? 
is a team going to pony up what it would take to get you Darvish? I seriously doubt it because you're talking about a massive haul that it would take for the Cubs to give up a guy who is going to be in the Cy Young conversation for the duration of the few years that he has left on this contract. Um, but when you're in the position that the Cubs are in and you're you're looking to turn things over, you're looking to change things, you got to take the, the, the phone calls on anything. And I think Wilson, because of the position, because of the control that he has left, is going to be an interesting piece uh, for opposing teams. Will anybody meet the price that the Cubs have in mind? Do they even really want to do it? We don't really know. But at least, you know, at this point, I don't know if you have a different read than I do, Brendan. Um, but that seems to be, I, I don't want to say the the most, you know, significant rumor, but it seems to be the most prevalent, I guess. If if you were going to press me, like the if you told me the Cubs are going to trade somebody this offseason, who do you think it's going to be? I might be inclined to say Wilson at this particular moment just because that appears to be the, the, the name that, that is coming up the most. Um, do, you, do you have a different read on that? Or, or what, do, what do you think about just kind of the landscape of the, the rumor mill? And I know you and I don't like to get into uh, hypotheticals or, you know, like what package would you want for this guy? Or, you know, let's start making 10 different hypothetical trades and this is our 2021 roster. But that's kind of what this offseason is shaping up to be. Either the Cubs are not going to spend very much and it's going to look a little similar, except, you know, maybe Kyle Schwarber's not here. Uh, or they, they do find some dance partners for some of these guys. And, you know, maybe Jed really shakes things up. The arrival of Miguel Amaya, if he were to come this year in 2021, shouldn't have a dramatic impact on whether or not to deal Contreras, in in my view. I love Amaya. What he's done as a 19-year-old in high A ball is exceptional. Amaya only struck out around 17% of his plate appearances. He walked around 13% of his plate appearances. He is huge. The guy's legs are huge. I think he and Rizzo probably would have the biggest legs on the team. And so Amaya with two C's, Brendan. With two C's. And Amaya, right now he's playing in the Puerto Rican League with competition on average, Corey, four years older than him. And he's destroying the ball. And he's known as being a capable above average defender behind the dish. This is a legitimate top prospect. This is perhaps I like Brennan Davis. I like I like the Cubs system as it is right now, but it, it's possible that Miguel Maya is the most valuable prospect uh, like in this organization, just given his age, the ability for him to play up on his competition, and the fact that he does not strike out. He takes his pitches and has power potential, and he's grown substantially in the past two years. So you do have to factor it in. But at the same time, when you make a trade with Contreras leaving, you better be damn sure you have someone at catcher to at least provide you with some comparable value. No one's going to give you immediately what Wilson's been providing over the last few years. I mean, Wilson's been a top three offensive catcher um, for the majority of, of the last five years. You know, he had a few hiccups with some injuries, but overall, from a terms of a qualified plate approach sample, he's one of the best offensive catchers in the league. And we know he's improved his framing um, last year. So it's, it's, it's difficult. Now to your question of whether Contreras is the most logical trade candidate, I think he's the most valuable one at this point, and it has nothing to do with him being compared to Chris Bryant or Javi Baez on a surface level, right? Like that's it's just has nothing to do with that. The biggest difference is he's not going to be a free agent until two more seasons, and he's coming off of two years with besides some of the portion of the latter half of last season with some pretty impressive offensive numbers. And you can wait the COVID season however you want to wait it. But over the last two years, Contreras has been, you know, one of the best hitting catchers in the league and playing consistent games and now improving defense. So with that in mind, compared to Javi, compared to Chris Bryant, they've, they're coming off injuries, they're coming off un 
projectable seasons. It's 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 clear to me that teams would be more comfortable going with Contreras, especially because the the offensive catcher is a scarcity in in, in today's game. So it's. I don't want to say, hey, let's trade Wilson Contreras. I'm into it. But at the same time, I do think that he's the most valuable asset on this team. And if another organization comes to Jed and is like, hey, you know, we're going to give you two of our top prospects, um, you know, and these prospects fit into the Cubs plans long term. I'm I'm probably into it, to, to be completely frank with you. Um, and yeah, Miguel Maya has a little bit of play into that. But at the same time, I wholeheartedly, I don't care who it is, I do not trust catchers going into their 30s. I, I don't trust giving Contreras a substantial long-term contract that's expensive. I'll give him a long-term contract, but not one that's going to be breaking the bank for a catcher who catches a lot. He's caught some of the most innings in his career over the last five years. I just have a hard time accepting he's going to give you this type of offense going forward into his 30s. So if there's ever a time, and we've talked about this so much in the past three years with Cubs missing their window for trading some of these guys. If there's ever a time to trade Contreras and doing so at his peak value, it's it's, it's probably now. Um, so I do think they are entertaining it, and I do think that it makes sense. And I would be behind it if the circumstances are as projectable as I think they are. I think you're going to get back some some top tier value for him. So yeah, Corey, that, like that that that's where I am. It's you know it's really difficult to talk about this stuff because talking about trading Contreras or KB or any of these guys from the core, it's hard to do so without trying to put them down or without yeah. trying to. You know what I'm trying to say? Uh-huh. So, like, I don't want to bring down Contreras, but at the same time, like, I do recognize he's probably the most valuable asset on this team right now. Well, and, and you know, as we've stated a lot, and, and we end up repeating it just, just for, uh, you know, the sake of clarity, but this is all trying to figure out the best path forward given the actual circumstances, right? Like, for the millionth time in an ideal world, they're going out and adding talent to supplement around this current group and you're not trading these guys right you're you're not trading Contreras unless you're in the market for someone like Ray Muto right and you're building a team to compete at the highest level but that's not where this team is that that's just not what's happening here so it's all about sort of looking at the actual options given what we know or at least what we have a pretty good idea of and and those things are that they want to look different. They want to compete in 2021, but mostly have their eye toward the future, you know, beyond that, 2022, 23, etc. And how can they get there with the stuff that they have, right? And as you said, you've got guys who are on expiring contracts, Bryant, uh, Baez, you know, who as you said, had had really strange years in 2020, uh, and you know you're you're not sure what the return would be on them, uh, and you know you've got guys like Wilson who are you know in a in a in a much different spot, and you know just to like the you know again like you also have guys like Darvish and Hendricks, but you you really under no circumstances should be moving those guys. Um, so I think, well, they're also Corey, they're not, they're not going to give you back. I I mean, Darvish and Hendricks are unbelievable, but they, they're expensive, right? So you're not going to get back and, and they're older. You're not going to get back the same level of value because Contreras two more years, he's due probably five to 7 million in arbitration this year, and then probably around 10 million next year in arbitration. That's extremely cheap, 15, 20 million for someone like Contreras. So you're going to get back more because he is cheaper than, you know, someone like Darvish or, or Hendricks. Right. And and that's kind of why I was saying that, you know, the the reports that the, you know, Darvish was coming up in talks was so useless because it's just like this this isn't going to work. You're you're not going to match up with another team that is going to give you back that value that you would need to actually have that make any sense. Um so 
Wilson represents a more realistic, I think, uh, potential situation. Um, but again, this is all just working within the parameters of something that is out of our control. Um, so it's it's interesting. Can I ask you a question? Yes. Let me ask you a question, Corey. So let, let's just remove... Um, maybe you can't remove the contract status. And this is a tough question. And I, kn- I know your default answer is I don't want to trade any of them. But if you had to pick between trading Contreras or Bryant or Javi, like who who would you be the least reluctant to give up if that if that makes sense the least reluctant yeah let me let me let me rephrase that who are you okay among the three giving up assuming the deal is you know of good value in return it's a tough yeah one, it's right? on the spot i i mean i would say I, I mean i would say wilson um just because yeah. so that's where that's where i am look yeah. like again and and you said this like Please don't take this conversation as a, you know, like, we want Wilson out of here or anything like that. Like, I didn't make up the rumors. I'm not the one shopping him in trades. I'm not the one not spending money on the actual baseball budget. So don't come for us. We're just talking about what's going on here. Um, I mean, I, I, in, in a perfect world, I'm keeping Amaya and I'm keeping yeah, of course. And you just yeah. figure it out and, you know, mix and match. So I'm right. not advocating for this so whatsoever. So I think it, it you know, the, the issue for me is I understand that you are running the risk, you know, um, if, you're not a, if you're not talking about extending any of them. You know, you're running the risk of Javi or Chris leaving after the year and hitting free agency and, you know, all you get is the, the qualifying offer or whatever. Um, but... To me, like especially KB and Javi, like I, it just would make me sick to see them perform at the level we know. know they can perform at for another team, and knowing that you know whatever package you got for them is is certainly nothing of a sure thing, right? We've seen both of those guys put up. Chris Bryant literally won an MVP, and Javi you know, probably should have won an MVP or definitely would have won an MVP if Yelich didn't go out of control uh, in, you know, at the end of 2018. And, you know, again, that's not taking anything away from Wilson. As we've noted, like he's a, he's a top like three or four catcher on wins above replacement over the last few years. Offensively, he's in the top and he's getting better on defense. So he, he, as I said before, he is a premier player at a premier position. Um, but I just, I, I am terrified of the idea of getting, you know, trading Javi or KB, um, not at their peak value and watching them put up an MVP level season for somebody else because the Cubs couldn't afford them or couldn't extend them or something like that. That, that, that is harder for me to swallow than it is, uh, for Wilson. And, and, you know, part of that too is, is also something that you said, you know, catchers, it's, it's just a more volatile position. Um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a tougher position to age at and Wilson's put in insane work to become a better defender, to improve his pitch framing and all that other stuff. Um, you know, that, that is, is mostly dealing with, you know, the human element and the umpires and stuff like that, but he's continued to get better reviews from, the pitchers about his receiving and his game calling and stuff like that. So it, it you know, it's taking nothing away from him. Um, but we've just seen those other guys perform at that top, top level. Um, and that would be harder for me to give up on. But, you know, and, and I think a lot of what we're talking about is kind of why the rumors sort of skew this way. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. It's it's just a lot more confusing when you're talking about Javi and KB uh, or guys like that at this particular moment, just given their contract status, their performance, um, and things like that. So it's just harder to it's just harder to figure, um, you know. But mm-hmm. as as we've kind of talked about, you know, Wilson's Wilson's an interesting case as well, um, you know, just because he has played a little bit in the outfield, and you know, if you are looking long-term, is that something that the Cubs look into more? It's also important to note at this moment, we're not 
positive, uh, you know, what the status of the DH is. That's obviously something that affects things. Um, You know, I think Wilson is a guy who likes to be out there. If he's playing, I think he likes to be playing, meaning he wants to hit and he wants to play defense. Um, You know, I think he's just someone who's buzzing in the dugout if he's not out there, and I don't know if that's good for him. Um, so that, you know, that's something important too. And, and, you know, that's, that's one of the tricky things. And one of, I think the, the really disappointing things about how the conversations with the league and the players association and and these deals. And I, and I know that obviously we're coming off of, uh, an unprecedented situation, but those are really important distinctions to know of, you know, when you, when you have certain guys on your team to not know that you can, give him, you know, a break from catching for however many games, you know, to not know that is a big deal. Um, so there, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of questions and again, this is the type of stuff that, you know, if they ultimately pulled the trigger on any of these things, you'd kind of have to look at it at the end and see how it all pieced together. You'd have to look at the pieces they got back. How, how are they replacing those innings at catcher? And, you know, this is probably the next point of, of this conversation, but, if you want to be competitive in 2021, the division is bad. The Reds are selling off, yeah. right? There, there's been some more talk uh, in the last week or so about them looking maybe to move Sonny Gray, Luis Castillo. Like they're they're not going to be competing uh, at, at yeah. least at the level they were. You know, maybe going into that 2020 season where it kind of looked like they were, you know, going for it a little bit more, right? Um, but if if you are going to move Contreras, and I assume that you would mostly be looking for future value, not necessarily like you know swapping for major league guys. My yeah, I'm I'm not. Uh, <laughs> You're not into it. I'm not into Victor Caratini being going with Victor catcher. Caratini. That's what I'm not. Into. I get it. I get um, it. Well, the mark Corey, the market for free agents for catchers not good. So looking at it now on MLB trade rumors. You have Yadi Molina. Don't want him. Do not want a 38-year-old catcher on this team. Wait, can you uh, say you that again? Yadier Molina. Brendan. You have... Brendan. Huh? Over yeah. my dead body. <laughs> Over my dead body. I got to bring it up. He's on you top really of the don't. list. I can't, I gotta, you really don't. Over uh, my well, dead body I, Did I is not just say I do not that. want him? I do not want Yadier Molina. He's not on the team, but he's on this list. Okay. In addition to him, you have Tyler Flowers. Also, do not like Tyler Flowers, but he's known as a quality pitch framer, if not one of the best. You have uh, Jason Castro, Alex Avila, also former Cub. You have uh, Wilson Ramos. You have JT Ruomuto, who probably will not be on the Cubs. You have uh, Rene Rivera, too old. You have Josh Fegley. Nope, not again. Sandy Leone, maybe, probably not. So all this is to say you don't have a starting catcher on the market right now. And that could be a good thing for a trade for Contreras. But also, if you're going to trade Contreras, you're probably going to go in starting Vic almost, you know, if not every day, every four or five games, you're going to, you're, you're going to use them probably for at least 500 plate appearances without anyone else. So I, I, I don't like that. I, I think Vic is still interesting, and I still want to give him a shot, and I think you have to wait the COVID season appropriately, but I don't see anyone else filling in as a catcher, in addition to Contreras, that can provide some you know projectable value. So that that is the issue, and I think if you were to trade you know, Chris Bryant or Javi Baez, I, you're going to lose value that way. But one, you don't know what you get back in return. Most likely that return would be somewhat of an immediate MLB value. Um, as we've heard with like Victor Robles or Carter Kaboom, I think is how you say his last name, but we're going to go with it. And also you can probably go into the free Asian market and still get some guys that are relatively cheap that are not as bad or weak as the catcher market. So I, 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 I don't know. It's it's a weird thing to reconcile because, one, you know that Contreras is probably the most valuable asset, and you know he's probably the most valuable asset because the catching market sucks. So can you compete in 2020, or tr- sorry, 2021, without Wilson Contreras? I think it's more of a difficult task to do so. 
um, in comparison to trading Chris Bryant and, and Javi Baez, given the market for those infielders right now. It's it it's it's difficult. I think <laughs> Jed is creative enough. Maybe he can go out and try to supplement Vic with um I, I don't know. I don't it's it's hard to, to fit the pieces to the puzzle, but if you're gonna go into twenty twenty one without competing wholeheartedly, maybe you lose Wilson and you can still compete even with Vic as your starter, you know, four out of five games. But it's it's a challenge and I'm not comfortable with it like like you as well. So I, I don't know. 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates, you will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This offer is valid through December 31st, and terms and conditions do apply. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to, you know, quantify exactly what like competing means, right? Because we've said a lot that this division sucks and it does. Well, that's what I mean. But, I mean competing in the context of your division. Yeah, but you, know. but you know, like then you're also getting into like, okay, you know, this roster obviously at certain points, if you're moving some of these guys is not competing with the likes of, you know, the the top teams in, in the league, uh, American or national. Um, but yeah, that that's kind of my concern, and and really why I wanted to talk about this is I think we we've spent a lot of time talking about you know the Chris Bryant rumors and and stuff like that, and and I don't know that we've ever really had too much of a, a long discussion on on Wilson in particular. Um, so I th- I think it was just good to flesh it out, especially with some of the stuff that Amaya's doing. You know, he's really captivated people um, who maybe already were or were not captivated by him, but you know, with his performance in Puerto Rico. Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of the, the concern for me. And it's not, it, it wouldn't be easy to replace any of these guys. Um, you know, it's certainly not easy to go find a shortstop to play defense the way Javi does and to, to hit the way that he does when he's, uh, hitting the way that we expect him to, not like he did in 2020. But, you know, catcher in particular, you know, again, you, you look at these, these leaderboards and Wilson is, is near the top since he became, an everyday starting catcher, certainly on the offensive perspective, and the the defense has obviously trended upward, as we've noted. But, you know, I think it's one of those positions where, you know, Wilson has has never, you know, he, he's, he's not put up like an MVP level offensive season. Um, and you and I often, I think multiple times, have, have predicted that for him. Um, but it's one of those positions where you really have to keep things like in perspective um because they're you know that that's just not something you see a lot from the catching position um at least in the last few years so 
while you may not look at Wilson's offensive numbers and and go, oh, you know, man, like the, relative to catchers, it is. So replacing that is hard. And you know, look, like we've commended Vic for the job that he's done. Um, you know, especially in the times that he's been asked to fill in for Wilson or the times where he's been asked to fill in for Rizzo, he's done a very admirable job of that. We obviously know the relationships that he's cultivated with guys, uh, you know, on this pitching staff and and the way that he's worked together with some of these guys and, and become personal catchers and, and, you know, really developed that rapport, which is very important and not something that, uh, you know, I would downplay. But I, I, you know, I mean, I'll be blunt in this. I just don't think he's a starting MLB catcher. I, I I think that's a, a huge downgrade from, you know, however many games you would expect Wilson to start in a 162-game season. Well, I don't—I think he can get there, though, Corey. Like, I don't think—like, I'm not going to bank on Vic this year being, hey, you're, you're the starter now, but— um, I guess it depends how appropriately you want to wait last season. I mean, what he did in 2019 was extremely admirable. Like you said, a filling in for Rizzo at first base, but also— he is a plus uh, framer. He doesn't strike out more than league average. He takes his pitches. And he had a, an average offensive season in 2019. That is a starting catcher. So whether or not that's reflective of who he really is, we, we don't know. Uh, I'm not willing to give him that bet now in 2021. But I'm, I think it is possible he can get there even in 2022. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I I mean, you don't. It's, I know you don't see it. Like, he, you never, you've never seen it in what I, mean. I, I get it. I don't yeah. want him to be the starting catcher for the Chicago Cubs. That that's really more what I mean. I, I think that he's capable, especially defensively, and you know, like not every team has a solid, well-rounded, you know, both sides of the ball kind of catcher starting for them. It's 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 a tough position, right? Um, I I just think especially as the team is constructed now, that's just not what I want for this team. Um, you can yeah. take that however you want, but I just don't want Caratini to be the starting catcher. That That's how I, I feel about that. So my, my concern would be, you know, first, you, you ha- you, you'd better be getting a, a really nice package if you're going to move Wilson, um, you know, because you're giving up a few years of one of the top catchers in the game. Um, but I, I, you know, just, especially with the, the offensive issues we're talking about and the lack of projected, you know, significant upgrades across this offense heading into 2021, unless, you know, they're, you know, Jed's going to pull some, uh, tricks out of his sleeve, you know, over these next few months. I, I just, I'm just not, that just isn't really captivating to me. Um, yeah. but you know, some of those are questions you you know you'd have to answer. But I I, I do just want to go back to Amaya for a second here um, because it, it's more than anything it's exciting to have some of these names to pay attention to, right? Especially it, it's the off season. You know, we're all stuck at home. There's not a lot going on. It's been fun to check in on these uh, you know these updates from Puerto Rico, you know, like I said, he had a grand slam the other day. We got some video of that. And just to see what he's doing and to sort of, you know, see folks on Cubs Twitter kind of be excited about something, right? And, you know, we've had Brendan Davis on this this podcast, and we were able to follow along a little bit with what he was doing in South Bend at the alternate site in the 2020 season and, you know, him getting a, a little bit of a taste of, of the kind of major league experience from afar, but, you know, still sort of being in the spotlight. Obviously, we saw Braylon Marquez at the alternate site and then ultimately up uh, for a, a very, very brief cup of coffee there. Um, you know, so it's it, it's just exciting to see these things. I think we mentioned on the last podcast that Ed Howard, the Cubs' most recent top draft pick uh, from Chicago, was in Chicago um, doing some charity work with Jason Hayward and Nico Horner and, you know, kind of uh, developing a relationship with Jason Hayward. So, it, it, you know, in a, in a in an off season, in a point for this Cubs organization where a lot of it has not been as thrilling as we would hope, um, it's nice to have some of these guys to look at and and be able to project them going forward and to pay attention to what they're doing. And through 
seven games uh, in this winter league, Miguel Amaya has a slugging percentage of 737, an OPS of 1,146. So that's pretty good. And as you said, Brendan, like he is a a rock. Like you look at these pictures um, and I, I don't have like the height or weight of the guys he's standing next to, right? So it, it could just be small guys. But I, I mean, I, I was messaging you the other day that he just looks like the type of person that if somebody tried to score and they had to run through him, they're not going to do that. They're they're going to fall yeah, like they ran into a brick wall. I mean, this guy is built, and I mean, one of his you know you watch the the kind like of like easy torso. power that he has. Um, you know, I I've you know in in just sort of seeing these clips come up and and you know looking at some of the guys uh, across Cubs Twitter that focus on uh, you know this stuff, uh, Brian Smith from Bleacher Nation, Greg from uh, Cubs Insider and the Growing Cubs podcast, who we've had on as a guest before, you know, just talking about uh, some of the changes that he's made and some of the work that the Cubs infrastructure has put in to Amaya and his swing and his power and, you know, just trying to like refine all of this and and, and the work that he's put in. It's... uh, it's exciting. And, you know, we've we've obviously yeah. been through this process with, with the Cubs before and, you know, kind of getting really excited about some of these guys. And, um, you know, it's hard to say, like, what we're looking at and, and what the future is going to hold for these guys. But, again, just like absent of a lot going on at the major league level and, and really, you know, probably more the wrong direction at the major league level than, than we would all be hoping for, it's, it's cool to, you know, look at this list and you know, sort of be excited about these Amaya, guys. Amaya, his strikeout rate was under 17%. What does that mean? That means that Miguel Amaya, as a teenager, had one of the best walk-to-strikeout ratios ratios in organized baseball, at and especially at that level. That's insane. That, that signals you have a unique player on your team. And Amaya in that year, still had 11 home runs and 410 plate appearances. By the way, that's another important thing. 410 plate appearances with those numbers. As starting the league as a teenager, that that is that is like, I, okay, I remember doing this similar discussion a few years ago with Eloy Jimenez and looking at Eloy and the uh, ratio of his strikeouts and his contact. And you're looking at it like, oh my God, you know, with this guy's power and his ability to make contact, he, he could be, a you know, one of the best hitters in, in the league, especially at that age. Now look at him now. So Amaya has this unique skill set that not only is valuable as a whole, but especially valuable in the context of this current Cubs roster who strikes out a lot who still walks about a little bit above the league average, but nevertheless, someone who does not strike out that much. And as Amaya continues to grow, I don't know how much more growing the man can do, but assuming that he still is growing and assuming that he has grown over the last year and a half, that 11 home run sample and that 400 plate appearance total, probably going to go up. Probably has more power potential. He's already had two home runs in Puerto Rico. He's flicking the bat out there like Manny Ramirez on those low pitches. Like it's nothing hitting grand slams in the left field. I'm feeling pretty hyped about this. Like love Brennan Davis, love Cole Roderer, love Chase Trump, love all these young hitting prospects. But for all of them, like what Amaya is doing, especially at that catcher position, this is pretty remarkable. This is like top level stuff. And he's continuing at every stage of his career, to go into the league, play above his competition, not be overwhelmed, call a good game, play capable, above-average defense. This is a unique player. This is a major league player with a phenomenal attitude, as we've heard, who has the ability to make contact and hit the ball far. I don't know what more you want. I don't know what more you want out of any prospect, and we're lucky enough to have him on the Cubs. Yeah, so this was a quote that... Again, Brian Smith, uh, the prospect guy from Bleacher Nation, also a, a friend of the pod, shared from Sahadev Sharma of The Athletic, uh, three degrees of where this quote from. Um, <laughs> but it was from farm director Matt Dory about Amaya at South Bend, you know, this past summer. And why I wanted to read this uh, was because it it's obviously an interesting discussion. It's going to be interesting to see what happens in 2021 in terms of what did that 
due to minor leaguers, right? That there was not a regular minor league season and not everybody was able to go to the alternate site. And obviously even going to the alternate site was unorthodox. You know, it obviously was not the, the schedule that the Cubs organization and every other organization had their minor leaguers on. So I think it's interesting to read some of this stuff. And and I think that's, you know, part of one of the reasons, I mean, obviously Amaya doing well in this winter league is exciting just because it's what there is. And if he's going to play, you'd rather he be doing well than poorly, right? But I, I think in particular why it's exciting is because it was a bit of an unknown as to how this was going to affect some of those guys. You know, being on a different schedule, not being able to grind through a full season and, and you know, face those top prospects every day from other teams and, and you know, have to make those adjustments, etc. So uh, I, I wanted to read this again from uh, Farm Director Matt Dory, and he said, about Amaya. We reinforce letting the natural arc of his swing create loft to the pull side by catching the off speed further out in front and not trying to manufacture elevating the ball by altering his mechanics. He was consistent all summer displaying the patient to take his walks while gaining confidence to take chances at doing damage when he leveraged himself into positive hitting counts. And why I love that quote is because you have a guy who's a top prospect uh, at this moment as we record this, he's 21 years old, and he went to this alternate site, he put in the work, they identified things they wanted him to change, approaches they wanted him to take, and ways to, as Matt Dory was saying, kind of leverage that power and, and leverage his patience into being able to unleash that power when it was appropriate. And then he goes to this winter league and he's applying those things. And I just think that's rather exciting, um, you know, for someone who is so young and who, you know, has the pressure of, of being a top prospect and being looked at as someone who's supposed to be on this particular path toward the major league, embrace what the coaching staff and and the Cubs hitting infrastructure wants him to be doing and is not only taking that in the alternate site throughout that that season but is then bringing it to this winter league and you're seeing those results continue to pay off as he's hitting the cover off the ball in this winter league and and so I just I I wanted to read that because I think it's just exciting to see something like that. And and at least just to have an idea, you know, and of course we have to see what happens where he starts the 2021 season. And, you know, again, once he's he's getting in that kind of daily grind of different matchups and, and things like that, you have to see how this this all takes. But this is this is what we have to go on. Um and I, I think it it was a bit of a concern, you know, for some of these guys like did they lose a year? Is this a lost developmental year? You know, how how exactly is this going to look for some of these guys? And it, it's it's not to say that it's it's all successful because Amaya is doing well in, in Puerto Rico in the Winter League, but it it's just nice to be able to kind of read what they were working on, understand that it was working there, and, you know, now he's taking it somewhere else, and he's still able to kind of build on this and stay within that work and approach that the Cubs are asking of him. It's it's, it's impressive, uh, and again, absent of anything else, it's what we have to go on. So I think it's fair to, uh, you know, be, be excited and, and pleased with those developments. The part for projecting these prospects that's most difficult is losing a year of developmental time. Uh, videos, pictures, the Puerto Rican stats, more so the videos and the pictures. Uh, Miguel Amaya's developed. He's made progress, uh, progress, and he has those underlying characteristics that suggest this is a major league baseball hitter, and he's one at the catcher position. So take that for what you will. Take that for what you will with Contreras' future uh I think you have to factor it in a little bit. I don't think it's going to drive the decision. I don't think it should drive the decision. But regardless, the Cubs, as soon as this year in 2021, could be seeing Miguel Maya at Wrigley Field. Uh, We'll see how he starts off. Maybe in Tennessee, we'll see what happens there. But if he performs well by June or July, you know, I'm not going to be surprised if he's 
Cushing Games, Cushing Hugh Darvish, Cushing Kyle Hendricks, who knows? I think it's definitely possible. 2021 is the ETA that is listed on the MLB.com prospect chart. I think it's more likely than so. not. I think it's more likely than not we see him this year. But again, I don't know what's going on with all this COVID stuff. So, right. you know, we'll see. But I think it's, it's more likely than not. Yeah. So, again, to kind of... Uh, wrap things up as as we near uh, our time here. Um, again, what we wanted to do was was just sort of look at a particular position, uh, A, because Amaya has come up a little bit in, in his performance over the last couple weeks and, and, you know, has just generated a lot of buzz on social media with his performance, uh, and just sort of relate that to one of the more prominent rumors that, that we've heard. Um, and again, I... Like, I, I really don't think we have to clarify this, but I, I just, I, it, it worries me that anything would be taken the wrong way. So we do. Um, please don't view that discussion as advocating for trading Wilson or not valuing Wilson or anything like that. I, I don't think I could have said more times that he's one of the top catchers in the league. Um, but, you know, it, 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 again, it, it's, this is, these last couple off seasons have been interesting. Um, a, a little, you know, behind the curtain for you, uh, to break the fourth wall here. If there is one, Brendan, like it's been an interesting time. You know, you and I aren't really like professional podcast hosts. Like we've been doing this for a few Let years, but yourself. like, we're not like broadcasters or radio people or anything so we're just kind of you know this is all well, learning we've been for on the us. radio let's not let's not go that far Corey. you're right you i'm a score? professional you're yeah. not really you're right i've been on the score too what are you talking about <laughs> we're both we, we each do one radio hit and now we're broadcasting <laughs> yeah. professional no i, I think did too i did i did too i think that's I a pretty too. low bar one. but um i did nail that the one time but anyway oh, I, um, I mine too. it's it's been interesting these last couple off seasons because like, as we always say, like, I don't want to talk about trading these guys, you know, like, I want to be getting on here and talking about the Cubs being the front runner for the top free agents and doing what they can to load up this team, you know, so it's, it, it's been an interesting couple years, like, especially last year, like, you think Brendan and I, if you've been listening to this show since we started or anywhere close there, you think Brendan and I want to talk about Chris Bryant trade rumors, there's almost nothing I would rather talk about less than <laughs> than the idea of trading Chris Bryant. But that's what has been the conversation with this organization. That has been what the that has been what the predominant, you know, sort of mainstream media narrative has been about this team. So I, I just bring that up to say like we we don't I, I don't want to trade Wilson Contreras like he should be the starting catcher for this team as they're building another run to the World Series but when you look at just kind of everything that's going on with this organization and and the writing that's on the wall at least to a degree like we have to consider some of these things right they just non-tendered Kyle Schwarber guys you know like this is this is the reality of of what they're doing this is the reality of where the league is in in terms of some of the financial situations and we just have to find a way to discuss it and and deal with it. But um, I, I I do hope that you know at least in some of these things, uh, when I when I spoke about uh, Albert Almora for years, I did not want him getting playing time. Right, that was specifically what I was saying. In some of these other discussions, it, it's it's not a personal preference. Right, it's it's just what is going on with the Cubs, and we're trying to make sense of it all. So I, I, I hope that that was clear. Um, if you're listening by this point in the podcast, you're you're probably a devoted listener, and I think you know that. But I, I do find it worth repeating, um, you know, because there, there there's just, especially in today's social media age and stuff like that, like it's, it's very easy for, uh, you know, a, a short clip or a, a short quote to be misconstrued or taken out of context and things like that. Um, and I don't want it to be because, you know, again, like we don't want to be sitting here talking about which of these guys we have to trade, uh, to build for the future or to get under budget or whatever. Like, of course not. You know what I mean? So it, it's just, this is, you know, sort of one of the paths that they might take and that's kind of just where it is. Um, but we'll see. So 
that is, I, I think, all that we have for you. As usual, um, we're kind of playing the waiting game. If the Cubs do something, we're happy to jump on here and talk about it. I wouldn't expect very much. This is not typically a, a very exciting time unless uh, a particular player is hoping to give their significant other uh, a new contract for Christmas or something like that. I, I don't expect very much action here, um, but we'll jump back on and you know we'll talk about it if uh, there is something to talk about. But for now, uh, playing the waiting game, and I, I guess in addition to playing the waiting game, we're checking in on the Puerto Rican Winter League to see what uh, Miguel Amaya is doing, which is not exactly how I would have envisioned spending my off season. but it's been a, a joy to check in on him because the results yeah, have been really good. So... Um, I think that's what we have for you. As always, you know, thank you guys for listening and participating. And like I said at the beginning, um, you know, I know it, it's it's been a difficult year. Uh, it's it's probably not the holiday season that most of us envisioned. And I really, genuinely, like you guys support us and allow us to do this, uh, allow us to have this platform and 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 to be able to host this show for so many years uh, just by listening to it. You know, we we don't ever. Um, you know, we don't ever ask for anything beyond that out of you guys. Um, and so, you know, I mean this and I speak for Brendan here, you know, really genuinely, like I hope that this holiday season and, and everything going on in the world finds you guys in an all right place. Uh, you know, maybe that's that's a low bar, but I think that's perhaps the best that a lot of us can hope for. So, uh, you know, that you're healthy, that your your family, your friends are in a good spot and, and you can enjoy even a small portion uh, of this holiday season or, or you know, to the fullest if, if you're able to do that. So um, stay safe. I, I hope everybody's uh, having an all right time. Happy holidays, whichever one you celebrate. Uh, and again, if, if something goes on, we will talk to you guys soon. But otherwise, in lieu of that, we thank you guys for listening. We thank you guys for your engagement on social media, your five-star reviews, wherever you guys listen to this podcast and above all, your listenership. So thank you guys. Happy holidays. We will talk to you soon. And as always, go Cubs. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.